Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. You're sensitive enough to be a lady of quality now. <laughs> now I can fool them all. <laughs> Happy New Year and welcome to the show. I'm Natalie and I'm here with two of my favorite podcasters, Angel and Polly. I think that counts now that we published three episodes and we're working on number four right now, right? Woo, go us! Yay! <laughs> so Angel is joining us from the Lone Star State. How are things there today? Uh, actually, a little cold and gray, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And Polly is volunteering to join us from Tennessee. So how's life? It is 60 degrees and gray with a little mist. I love it. It's puffin' weather. I know, that's your kind of weather. It is not mine, which is good that I'm joining from Puerto Rico, where it is 80 degrees Fahrenheit outside right now. So instead of rubbing that salt into everybody's wounds, let's move on to our stories for today. You keep your 80 degrees. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, Angel, <laughs> why don't you get us started with the cultures that this story developed in? It is our very first non-Brothers Grimm story. You mean someone other than the brothers wrote a fairy tale? Yes! <laughs> It's Hans Christian Andersen. He has a tale to tell. <laughs> and now we'll find out just how many people watched the Hans Christian Andersen movie when they were little. Reaching out to those few listeners. Have a Danny K day. Yes, Danny K. Danny K. Um. While it is possible that earlier versions of the story existed before Hans Christian Andersen, he included it in his Tales Told for Children in 1835. So he's acknowledged as the person who made it popular with a wide audience. He also added things to the story, like the actual sensitivity of the princess to the pea, giving her a truly awful night's sleep. Rude. Sorry. Rude. How's being bruised going to show that she's a real princess? Well, delicacy in women was appreciated during his lifetime. And he implies that a real princess would, of course, be different from any other person in their physical sensitivity. It is said he wanted to believe in the princess. Other versions have her learning about the test and then passing it through outthinking the queen. Yeah, I'd rather be smart than delicate. I'd rather have smart people in charge of the country than sensitive people. <laughs> oh, dear God. Yes, please. So let's move on to a quick overview of how the versions are different. Well, in the Italian version of this story, it is actually called the most sensitive woman. In that one, there are three women and the prince selects the most sensitive to be his bride. While the second princess is bruised and in pain from a wrinkle in her sheets, so that kind of has a similarity to the pea under the mattress, mm -hmm. um, it is the one wounded by a jasmine petal falling on her foot that he ultimately selects, which just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, That is the last woman I would want as breeding stock for my heirs. Forget breeding. Just the sex would kill her flesh. <laughs> 
That is a terrible and yet highly accurate to these stories way of putting that. No childbirth either. Think of the drama. In general, the differences in the stories focus on if she is injured. But sometimes in the stories, the prince is the one who is picky. Um, Other times, it's his overprotective mother. She's the one insistent on the true princess. Sounds like someone was dealing with a mother who never thought his girlfriends were good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us into a long conversation about poor Hans and his sex life, which I don't (laughs) think we're ready for that in this podcast just yet. Talk about a lot to unpack. (laughs) But it might not have been girlfriends either. (laughs) Cough, cough, Charles Dickens. Right? (laughs) All right. So back to the differences. The stories. (laughs) The stories that I read had a couple of examples. The ones that I read are the ancient Hindu parables translated from Sanskrit. They are about a king who is sent by a monk to retrieve a dead body from a tree. But the body is inhabited by a goblin. There are 22 parables, but we're only reading one. That is why the story begins and ends with the king going to and from the sister tree. The goblin riddle number eight also had a prince who was a cotton expert and was injured by a stray goat hair in his quilt because of his cotton expertise. Maybe um, Hans Christian Andersen was reading these because these were way before him. And they were all sensitive and stuff. Well, that's someone just being a little too wrapped up in his work. <laughs> well, yeah, well, he was through 14 cotton quilts, so he was probably really wrapped up. <laughs> I can relate. As a fiber artist myself, I can definitely tell when there's a straight animal fiber in my cotton yarn. I have a goat and the guard hairs, not the cashmere, are like bristles. Well, he has a curled like imprint. So it wasn't even stabbing him. I mean, even I get my own hair stabbed into my feet sometimes. And my great Dane Minnie's hair was infamous for the stabbing. This guy would never be able to have a pet. Also, my fiber art is needle felting, so I just stab myself. (laughs) (laughs) But the tenth story in what I was talking about is the story Angel is reading about the sensitive wise. So let's move on to the reading of the stories. Today's stories are so short that we were able to include three different versions. Well, these versions are all like bite-sized tales. They're fun size. You have to have more than one to feel like you got it. (laughs) I guess the short length makes sense when you think they were first published in local newspapers. They would definitely have a column inch limit. Yeah, true. Now we can go ahead and listen, and then we can discuss some of the details of the stories and our thoughts. Hey, everyone. It's Natalie interrupting this podcast with our first ad for this really cool podcast that you might have heard of. It's called Lost in Revision. Yeah, that is us. And we need your help. Podcasting isn't free, but we don't charge for most of our content. That may not be the best business model, but we want everyone to have the opportunity to listen regardless of finances. So if you really like us and you can afford it, Go to Patreon and subscribe for only $3 a month to get premium and ad-free content. If you like what you hear but you don't have spare cash, you can still help. Just go and follow us on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and add us on whatever your favorite app is for podcasts. Give us a good rating on all the ones like Spotify and Apple Podcasts so that more people can find us. The URL to our link tree is in the show notes. That has links to everything that I just mentioned. All of it would help so much. And now I'll let you get back to the show. 
This is Angelina Adams with Lost in Revision. For episode four of our podcast, we are recording three different versions of The Princess and the Pea. First up, The Princess on the Pea from Denmark by Hans Christian Andersen. Once upon a time, there was a prince who wanted to find a princess. And she would have to be a real princess. So he traveled all around the world to find one. But there was always something wrong. There were princesses enough, but he could never be sure that they were real ones. There was always something about them that was not quite right. So he came home again and was sad, for he so much wanted to have a real princess. One evening, there was a terrible storm. It thundered and lightninged. The rain poured down, and it was horrible. There was a knock at the city gate, and the old king went out to open it. A princess was standing outside. But my goodness, how she looked from the rain and the weather. Water ran down from her hair and her clothes. It ran into the toes of her shoes and out at the heels. And yet she said that she was a real princess. Well, we shall soon find that out, thought the old queen. But she said nothing and went into the bedroom, took off all the bedding, and laid a pea on the bottom of the bed. Then she took twenty mattresses and laid them on the pea, and then twenty feather beds of eiderdown on top of the mattresses. That was where the princess was to sleep for the night. In the morning, she was asked how she had slept. Oh, horribly, she said. I hardly closed my eyes all night. Goodness knows what there was in the bed. I was lying on something hard so that I am black and blue all over my body. It is horrible. Now they could see that she was a real princess because she had felt the pea right through the twenty mattresses and the twenty feather beds. Nobody but a real princess could be that sensitive. So the prince took her for his wife, because now he knew that he had a real princess, and the pea was put in the art gallery, where it can still be seen, unless someone has taken it. Now see, that was a real story. Next up, The Most Sensitive Woman from Italy by Christian Schneller. The parents of a prince wanted him to marry, but he said, I will only marry such a woman about whom I can say with good conscience that she is the most sensitive woman in the world. His parents answered, then go find her. He went forth and came to a woman 
whose head was all bandaged up and who appeared to be suffering. What is the matter with you? he asked. Oh, she said, this morning my maid was combing my hair and she pulled one out, which is causing me great pain. But the prince thought to himself, she isn't the right one. I will seek further. He went on his way and found another woman. Her entire body was wrapped with the finest linen, and she looked very sad. What is the matter with you? he asked. Oh, she said, last night while I was in bed, there was a little wrinkle in the sheet I was lying on, and it has made me sick. But the prince thought, she is not the most sensitive one either. There must be a better one. He continued on his way and came to a third woman. She was sitting in an easy chair and had a bandaged foot. She was crying bright tears and was distorting her pretty face until one had to feel sorry for her. What is the matter with you? asked the prince. Oh, she groaned. This morning, while I was strolling in the garden, a little breeze came up and blew the petal of a jasmine blossom onto my foot. The prince thought about this a little while and then said, You are the right one for there cannot be a more sensitive woman than you. And he married her. Did he do the right thing? Unfortunately, the storyteller does not know, for she has run out of yarn. The third story is The Three Delicate Wives of King Virtue Banner, which is the most delicate. From India. Then the king went to the sisu tree, put the goblin on his shoulder once more, and started toward the monk. As he walked along, the goblin on his shoulder said, O oh, king, I will tell you a strange story to relieve your weariness. There once was a king in Ujjain whose name was Virtue Banner. He had three princesses as wives and loved them dearly. One of them was named Crescent, the second Star, and the third Moon. While the king lived happily with his wives, he conquered all his enemies and was content. One day, at the time of the spring festival, the king went to the garden to play with his three wives. There he looked at the flower-laden vines with black rows of bees on them. They seemed like the bow of the god of love, all ready for service. He heard the songs of the nightingales in the trees. They sounded like commands of love. And with his wives he drank wine, which seemed like love's very life blood. Then the king playfully pulled the hair of Queen Crescent 
and a lotus petal fell from her hair into her lap. And the queen was so delicate that it wounded her, and she screamed and fainted. And the king was distracted. But when servants sprinkled her with cool water and fanned her, she gradually recovered consciousness. And the king took her to the palace and waited upon his dear wife with a hundred remedies which the physicians brought. And when the king saw that she was made comfortable for the night, he went to the palace balcony with his second wife, Star. And while she slept on the king's breast, the moonbeams found their way through the window and fell upon her. And she awoke in a moment and started up crying, I am burned! Then the king awoke and anxiously asked what the matter was, and he saw great blisters on her body. When he asked her about it, Queen Star said, The moonbeams that fell on me did it. And the king was distracted when he saw how she wept and suffered. He called the servants, and they made a couch of moist lotus leaves and dressed her wounds with damp sandal paste. At that moment, the third queen, Moon, left her room to go to the king. And as she moved through the noiseless night, she clearly heard in a distant part of the palace the sound of pestles grinding grain. And she cried, Oh, oh, it will kill me. She wrung her hands and sat down in agony in the hall. But her servants returned and led her to her room, where she took to her bed and wept. And when the servants asked what the matter was, she tearfully showed her hands with bruises on them, like two lilies with black bees clinging to them. So they went and told the king, and he came in great distress and asked his dear wife about it. She showed her hands and spoke though she suffered. My dear, when I heard of the sound of the pestles, these bruises came. Then the king made them give her a cooling plaster of sandal paste and other things. And the king thought, one of them was wounded by a falling lotus petal. The second was burned by the moonbeams. The third had her hands terribly bruised by the sound of pestles. I love them dearly, but alas, the very delicacy which is so great a virtue is positively inconvenient. And he wandered about the palace, and it seemed as if the night had three hundred hours. But in the morning, the king and his skillful physicians took such measures that before long his wives were well and he was happy. When he had told this story, the goblin asked, O king, which of them was the most delicate? And the king said, The one who was bruised by the mere sound of the pestles, when nothing had touched her. The other two who were wounded or blistered by actual contact with lotus petals or moonbeams are not equal to her. When the goblin heard this, he went back, and the king resolutely 
hastened to catch him again. Those are really fun. I love having more than one story. So before we move on to our next segments, tell me more about the title for the first one, Angel. I've always heard The Princess and the Pea, but you read The Princess on the Pea. Is that a change that happened later on? I'm not exactly sure when it changed, but each of the older versions of the story that I found printed it as Princess on the Pea, which I guess kind of makes sense since she's lying on the bed yeah. and the pea is underneath her. She actually lays on the pea. Um, yeah. So I decided to say what was in print instead of just what I remembered. Yeah. Even though the title of the episode is Princess and the Pea, the stories in the older versions are the princess on the pea. So we learned something new. If we titled it The Princess on the Pea, then everybody would be telling us we were wrong. You're right. Before they heard us talking about why I said on. Well, the whole point is to read the originals. So now that everyone is caught up and my curiosity is satisfied, what's your favorite part or version? Okay, so my <laughs> all-time favorite version of this story has got to be the Broadway musical version. Once I wish everybody in the audience could see Angel fangirling on this video. <laughs> I love this so much. With an F and an R and an E and a D and an F-R-E-D friend. Yay! <laughs> okay, so it's, it's called Once Upon a Mattress. And the original stage version in 1959 had Carol Burnett as the Princess Winifred. Fred, for short. There's a more recent version that Disney released where Carol plays the queen. So talk about going full circle. Um, <laughs> I've only heard recordings of the earlier version, but they are hilarious. I've always loved Carol Burnett. I used to do impressions of her when I was a child. Have you seen the new Disney version of this? Carol is hilarious. She's all dramatic facial expressions. And Tracy Ullman plays Fred. The princess is so excited about there being a prince to marry that she swims the moat. And the <laughs> queen's fixation on you swam the moat. I can hear her saying it. <laughs> I actually watched it last night as my homework. It was very cute. And she does say that repeatedly enough that Fred mentions it to her face. <laughs> I haven't been able to track down a recording yet, but it's on my list of things to watch. I'm going to browse the public library videos. <laughs> my daughter played the queen in her high school's production of Once Upon a Mattress. And of course, she was magnificently evil. <laughs> watching her rendition must have been so much fun she is so talented on stage in the broadway version no one in the kingdom is allowed to get wed until the prince does and there is a pregnant lady in waiting who needs him to get married fast oh dear <laughs> fred is far from the delicate pure princess they are needing she's like the 14th one that the queen has tested and rejected <laughs> So they do a bit of cheating to help Fred pass the test. <laughs> they do more than a little cheating. Watching him unload all of those items from that top mattress had me rolling. When we did the show, not only did we have the weapons and stuff coming out of the bed, but they oh. were unloading things like puppies and a small child out of the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> and that is even better. <laughs> oh. I can only imagine. <laughs> oh, I need video of that. Um, <laughs> my favorite version 
of this was actually the 22 goblin stories from the Hindu parables. Not because the story was better, but because of all the rest of the stories. They were fantastic. Don't even get me started on all of the self-decapitation. How does that even work? (laughs) Asia, where one goes for a good quality self-inflicted sword death. (laughs) Or or a good elephant stampede. (laughs) Through the Vatican, though. Okay, so though death and self-sacrifice shows up in a lot of the ancient stories. If you ever read the story behind some of the Hindu holidays, someone is always dying. Not just in India, though. In some of the cuneiform tablets they're finding these days, you see a similar theme of death, sacrifice, and maiming. Yeah. In these really ancient stories, there were a whole lot of like recognizable seeds for all of the really old stories that we're reading now. And tons of self-sacrifice and wives devoted unto death, blah, blah, blah. Well, not just the wives. The princes were perishing of unrequited love all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, the number of people who fell in love at first sight and then just died within hours from it was a tad absurd. That's what I call a good cautionary tale. (laughs) You know, (laughs) advice about the perils of falling in love. I fell in love at first sight with my husband, but I don't think I would instantly perish if he hugged someone else. So middle school dramatic. (laughs) Well, I would hope you wouldn't. I've hugged him. So, Polly, did you have a favorite, you know, story version, not person hugging your husband? Well, I'm sure <laughs> her favorite person hugging her husband. Come on. So the, the whole thing just always seems so ludicrous to me. I'm not even sure I have a favorite version or a version I like. I had never heard the Italian and India stories until we were researching for this episode. I really enjoyed the tale the goblin told. I was chuckling at the end. When he asked the king who was the most sensitive and then popped back to the sister tree after the king answered, because obviously the king missed the whole point of the story. (laughs) He said the most sensitive one was the woman who was damaged just from hearing something and not coming into contact with it. When obviously the most sensitive one was the king. Goodness. (laughs) That man was constantly in distress and boy, could he whine. (laughs) I laughed when he called out the inconvenience of the wife's sensitivity. It would be distressing to be around all of those three constantly. (laughs) Way to make it all about him. (laughs) Right? The three of them are in pain, right? And he spends an agonizing night that seems 300 hours long being inconvenienced because he can't have sex because his wives don't feel well. I mean, come on. Not tonight, honey. I have a headache. (laughs) Not tonight, honey. I dropped a flower on my foot. (laughs) And then he stomps around all night long being all, why does this happen to me? (laughs) I don't know. With with being bruised by sound, I don't think sex is possible anyway. So (laughs) I, I can definitely sympathize with that. I mean, we've all had migraines, right? You feel bruised by sound. I guess for sure. Yes. So, so what do y'all think the original lessons of the story were for the people who were telling it? Well, at the time, it was probably a validation of the attitude of finding the highest quality person to marry. This search for the ideal. I'm just not sold on the qualities they were holding up as ideal. Well, but it's all about appearances. If someone can't tell at a glance that you're the best in the community, then are you really even trying? 
(laughs) I gave up on trying years ago. I never try anymore. I just buy 12 of the exact same thing. My closet looks like Smurfettes. The only reason I have more than one outfit is because other people give me their cast off clothes. It's fair. (laughs) You know, sitting here, I don't think I ever really tried. I I really don't. (laughs) It was a period where I tried to be weird. Now I'm the same. Same and still weird. I, 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 I'm too old. I can't remember. I've slept <laughs> since then. Okay, no, I like clothes, but I don't do the makeup. I don't do the hair. I am what I am. You know? Yeah, I do none of that. Just, <laughs> just a hag. To be honest, this story bothered me when I was little. There weren't a lot of details about what made the princess in the other lands not quite right. And the idea of something being so delicate as to be unable to sleep because of a pee placed under all those mattresses just did not make sense to my brain. It seemed to me like the prince's mom was trying to speed things along. Like, he is going to marry this one if I have to use every mattress in the house. Like, mom could tell she was for real and the prince was just being too picky. Huh. That's a different take on the mom's actions than I picked up on. Interesting. To be honest, I felt like the story was telling me that I was also not quite right because there was no way something like a pee would ever keep me awake if I was tired. Part of the you'll never be good enough narrative that is constantly shouted at women, I guess. He talks about the old king answering the, the gate when she knocked. Like, he's old. She's old. The prince needs to just get married and get out. Yeah, but why was he <laughs> opening his own door anyway? There... They're looking for the most sensitive princess in the land and the king's opening his own freaking door. <laughs> well, they're maybe not attracting the rich just ones. Up and walking around so he could get away from the queen. Oh, maybe. <laughs> looking once upon a mattress. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, derailed my brain. Uh, you know I'm not a sensitive princess. I used to sleep in a nest of laundry in the corner of the bedroom floor like a feral rat because I didn't <laughs> want to bother making my bed. It was comforting to me to know that I would never be mistaken for a princess. No fairy tale would ever have confused me for anyone of royalty. <laughs> yeah. I emptied the shell of my waterbed and filled it with stuffed animals and hung a hammock over it. So yeah, similar sleeping habits, nest building, even one in the closet. <laughs> But, you know, this was my sister's favorite fairy tale, possibly because she could sympathize with the slightest bump, making it impossible to sleep. Well, she is far from dainty. I mean, she's small, but she's not like a frail, fragile flower. Uh, But sleep has never been easy for her. So this was just further proof that she is royalty, I suppose. Not, you know, not to badmouth her. Uh, I honestly worship my sister. Um, As far as I'm concerned, she is queen of the universe. (laughs) Well, I understand it better now with my current health issues. I guess I'm more like a princess now than when I was a young hellion. (laughs) You're sensitive enough to be a lady of quality now. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can fool them all. (laughs) (laughs) All I can say is if these were the standards for finding a wife today, I would have never walked down the aisle, (laughs) which may have been a good thing. (laughs) Same. 
the only good part of my marriages that lasted were my kids. <laughs> yes, so. preach. So what do you think that modern audiences could learn from this story? Well, it's in the more modern versions of the story that I come to really enjoy it. Looking at these stories does make me think about how much our ideals have changed over time. We are more likely to value a woman who is strong in both body and spirit than someone so frail that a falling blossom will wound them. I love the trope of the common girl outthinking the stuck-up witch of a queen and then beating her at her own game. This idea of brains being more valuable than breeding fits more with my own self-image, I suppose. Oh, we all grew up in a period that prized more in a woman than breeding stock. Our heroes were allowed to be intellectual or daring or unconventional. I can't imagine Helen Keller or Sally Ride being bruised by a jasmine petal and letting it stop them. Conversely, modern men are allowed to be more sensitive. Yeah. In the What's Upon a Mattress story, it has the more modern sensibility, in my opinion. They have women who are judged by society, but not necessarily going to die because of bad choices or unrequited love. Thank goodness. Because I've had my fair share of both. <laughs> well, actually, more than my fair share. Yeah. I've only had the early good feelings followed by the oh no parts of relationships. No more for me. I'm dating me forever. It's the best love story of all. Unlike Mark and Polly, they are couple goals akin to Morticia and Gomez. Yeah, more like Benedict and Beatrice. More snark and less dramatic passion. I really am a fairy tale princess, I guess, with my happy ever after love at first sight. <laughs> and in your story, I'm the hag with the good advice because of all of my bad experiences. Oh, you'll always be my hag. Oh, thanks. That's so sweet. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.